Welcome to podcast number 31, Perfection Addiction, or as better known, Toxic Perfectionism and Mental Illness. Now, before we get started today, I just wanted to quickly note that if these podcasts have helped you in any way, and they have certainly helped me, and you think that they might help someone else, I simply ask that you share them with someone who you might think need help, or even post them to your Instagram or Facebook. I have actually had many wonderful conversations with people I didn't even know who were suffering by simply reaching out and posting these things like on Facebook or Instagram. So reach out. Now, I think in my past episodes, I have avoided really exposing my true personal life and deep personal feelings regarding mental illness. Now, yes, I have certainly shared personal things and even personal details about mental illness, but nothing similar to what I will share today. You're going to see into my mind a little today, perhaps more than I am even comfortable with, but for the purposes of what I would like to discuss, I really think that it makes sense today. You're going to have to know a few things about me. I have a tendency to be thoughtful, very analytical, and somewhat quiet in person. This can often come off a little intimidating to others. I am very observant, and I analyze things, and that includes other people. I really like to be able to predict what people will do and say. I don't like to make mistakes, and I really don't like to make them public. Now, I doubt that anybody does, but I seem to have more than the average rational fear. Now, what I mean by mistakes is that I analyze even the smallest things I say and do. I analyze how other people respond, how I think it made them feel, what I could have said better, what I could have done better. As you can see, I spend quite a bit of time analyzing. You would think that this would make me a very detail-oriented person, and that is true. I am probably more detail-oriented than the average person. But I also plan. I rehearse things that will be difficult for me in my mind for hours. And then once I have completed the task, I spend more time analyzing how I could have done it better. This starts to sound a little crazy, right? I not only spend a great deal of time analyzing why I do things, I spend a great deal of time analyzing other, why other people do things. Now, I don't do this out of judgment, but out of a true desire to understand. I really desire to understand people at a detail level. Now, you say, other than being overly analytical, what does this have to do with your mental illness or your difficulties? And why are you telling me all about this? First thing to know is people with emotional disorders, which are mental illnesses, most often have a tendency to be far more analytical, and they use that as a coping mechanism. It comes from our inability to trust our emotional state. If you can't trust your emotions, your feelings, the tendency is to trust your rational experiences. You also become far more observant. I really wanted to understand why people did the things they did, what made them happy, and what didn't. Now, I believe that I did so for a couple of reasons, personally. One, I really wanted to understand what made people happy. And two, everyone who deals with an emotional, emotional disorder needs to appear on the outside like everyone else on the outside. Something I have discussed is masking in some of my other podcasts. Now, observation is very critical to masking. You can't mask your feelings well if you don't know how you need to look on the outside. I believe that this is probably something everyone who deals with depression, anxiety, and bipolar battles at times. We use observation and mimicking techniques to appear as others would, would in similar situations. Because our emotions don't function similarly to most people, it is important to us that we are able to mimic what others do. 
This allows us to fit into a group and participate in ways that would be more normal to the experience of others. Now, I say that with some understanding that our participation is not normal in many ways and is really only a good acting job in most cases. My main point today is that my tendency towards observation, analytical thinking, and of course the path of the gospel led me down a road that I believe is probably common for those who suffer from mental illness within the Church of Jesus Christ. Now, I call it the perfection addiction, although more the more common name is toxic perfectionism. I possessed a deep desire for perfection. And what I mean by perfection is an outward perfection. From the onset of my illness, the addiction to perfection has really never entirely faded in my life. Although I do much better now than I ever have had in my past, it is something that I battle on a regular basis. While one might think that perfection addiction would not dovetail neatly into a mental illness, the reality is that this type of addiction is one of the major obstacles of the disorder. Now, because of the emotional realities of the illness, feelings of worthlessness, doubt, and reduction in desire, the natural movement of the mind is to outward evidences and more external methods of evaluating one's life. This more often than not leads down the road to an outward addiction to this perfection. In essence, it's exactly what I explained above. It's a constant pressure to analyze, measure, view, Compare how you are doing in your spiritual life, career, personal life, more based on some type of outward observation rather than some inward fulfillment. Now, all of us have a tendency to focus more outwardly on spiritual and personal progression rather than inward. Outward's just easier to measure, while the inward is far more difficult. This is especially true for those who cannot trust what they feel. There is no way to measure your change of heart or inner desires and intention, and that is especially true when depression, anxiety, and mania have a tendency to override the soul. How do you even measure our pathway towards perfection, and if we're gaining or losing, if you have to measure words like humility, kindness, generosity, and so forth? As far as mental illness, it's impossible. So I believe most of those who suffer have a great tendency to lean to that which we can measure, and that is our outward actions. The outward and often inward measures we create ourselves are insufficient measuring measurement tools as far as spirituality is concerned. The Lord knows what perfection is, what it looks like, what it feels like, and how he can get us there. Our personal measurements and comparisons are often lacking context. They're misleading in our lives and just plain incorrect. Most often, our personal compensation to our Personal judgment is what has been referred to as toxic perfectionism. Now, of course, I prefer the term perfection addiction. It is a system of personal negative rewards, our own personal negative rewards, based on every fault, mistake, sin, and problem we appear to possess without reviewing the positive or overall wholesome trends in our lives. Our hyper-focus on this outward incorrect action and behavior modification, now without taking into account where we are on the overall pathway, can really make us feel like we're losing ground, that our inabilities are lacking in terrible ways, that our, our past sins might be too much, that our weaknesses are too much to overcome. Our anxiety increases as we attempt to compensate and as we analyze each interaction with other people, our own personal daily striving to become, and our responsibilities as parents, teachers, leadership, and as a covenant people. We become addicted 
to perfecting ourselves, or at least our outward selves, and then analyzing that perfection. We attempt to measure progress by every small action we take and the results of those actions. But we often only analyze our actions based on what we could improve or what we did wrong. We rarely take into account the measure of good that we have done and the overall effect. So what is the true harm in seeking perfection? What's wrong with seeking perfection with some zealous nature? No, aren't we and shouldn't we be seeking always to become like our Father in Heaven? The answer, of course, is yes, we should. But our methods of evaluating that matter very much. The road and knowing your place on it is as important or your true place on it is as important or perhaps more important in this case than the actual destination of perfection. Toxic perfectionism or this addiction to outward perfectionism does not lead to celestial life. Addiction to outward cues that you are on the path and consistent evaluation that is inaccurate due to our mortal flaws leads to burnout or more often we choose secondary worldly pathways. So many have been lost on the path of this addiction. Really, they are in some ways hoping to win exaltation through some type of analysis and effort. I admit that I have certainly tried my hand at winning my way into the presence of the Lord, but in my zealous nature, I have created something strange, which is a fear of failure or fear of learning. And this in turn has created a space where it is difficult for the Lord, where it used to be difficult for the Lord to teach me. I'm still working on this. As an example, I paint pictures. Now, mostly scenery, because scenery is forgiving with a mistake. But because of my desire to avoid mistakes ingrained in me for so long ago by this addiction to perfection created by my bipolar, sometimes I avoid painting certain types of objects for fear what I create might not be very good. I have avoided a learning experience that could have been beneficial to my painting skill because of my desire to, for perfection or to avoid mistakes. This is one of the major concerns with toxic perfectionism. We eventually lose the desire to try things and learn things where failure might be high. And that is where we learn the most. Now, knowing this in myself, I do attempt to paint temples. I don't paint buildings very well. Yet, but it provides me a method for learning and overcoming this insecurity that I developed so long ago and the toxicity found in my addiction to this perfection. Now, the real question is, how do you get out of this pathway? How do you even extricate yourself from this addiction once you start running down the path? How do you even see yourself outside of the path? Now, I had mentioned my painting exercise, but this is just one of many ways We must see the toxicity in our lives and adjust our patterns of thinking. Now, this addiction is a pattern of thinking in a manner of evaluation that needs to be revised, altered, and then re in our lives. Now, the first thing that anyone can do is to get help with the mental illness. This means you're going to need to get your mental illness under some type of treatment or management, and you need to stick with the treatment even if you don't see that much difference. You can't get out of the perfection addiction if you can't manage what is causing it. Now, this will help in many ways to begin make the transition away from it. Now, after enduring the management, you must begin to ask yourself, what are you really evaluating? And what are you choosing to use as a standard? What is the standard you have chosen? Now, this is going to require some real self-evaluation and introspective questions. 
So what is my standard that I am using for evaluation? And what is perfection in terms of what the scriptures have stated? How am I evaluating myself against this standard and against this perfection? And can this really be done effectively only by myself? Can I truly step enough outside of my experiences and evaluate effectively where I'm at on this path of perfection, how I'm doing overall and how I'm doing in the short term? Now, how often am I doing this evaluation? And what measurement tools am I using to evaluate myself? If you answer these questions truthfully, I think you'll find that you can consciously begin to alter how you think about perfection and what the Lord expects of you. That is what really matters. You cannot evaluate perfection based solely on your own analysis or even on another's analysis. What others think of you in the sense of perfection does not typically matter to the Lord. You must use a method that includes the the Lord, long-term evaluations, and allow the Lord to dictate the path and where you are on it. Now, if you answer the first question honestly, you're going to find broad terminology found in several places in the scriptures. And this is the question about perfection. Identifying behaviors such as meek, lowly in heart, suffering long, kindness, not prideful, seeking not her own, not easily provoked, thinking no evil, doesn't rejoice in iniquity, rejoices in truth, bears all things, hopes all things, endures all things, long-suffering, gentleness, love unfeigned, The difficulty associated with nearly all these terms is that it is near impossible to know for absolutely certain when you have become perfected in something like meekness, lowly in heart, long-suffering, or even where you are along that path. If you don't know what the end is and what it takes to get there, there is no real way to know where you are. Even the words used to describe perfection have within them some measure of ambiguity from a mortal perspective. What does it mean to be whole, finished, or complete from the perspective of a father who is perfected? Now, I'm not fully certain we can in this life truly understand what perfection looks or feels like because it's honestly going to take a resurrected body to even get us there. How do you compare, measure, or evaluate your growth? distance, or even location along the path of perfection when the definitions themselves seem very much like we will be ever perfecting but never able to come to perfection. The most common occurrence is what happened to me so long ago. And part of this is obviously due to the mental illness. I turn to what I refer to as the law of carnal perfection. Now, the law of carnal perfection generally takes the form of splitting hairs of doctrine forming a personal set of outward rules from that doctrine to follow, and then adding a hedge to make sure you don't cross over to the other side. Now, this type of a methodology provides for measurement, attainment, and goals, and certainly rewards and some happiness. But you can find that it does it only provides a more terrestrial kind of behavior, meaning a very dutiful, outwardly obedient, but the change of nature that is necessary does not fully occur, occur, which, by the way, is one of the main requirements of exaltation, that our nature changes. You will try to become, or I will, I tried to become perfect through perfecting the outward symbols of the gospel, reading of scriptures, prayer, attending church, you can say not drinking caffeine or whatever else type of laws, and so forth, in some ways, attempting 
to circumvent the grace of the atonement with what can only be termed spiritual death by effort perfection. There is no guarantee that setting a bunch of outward actions and rules for yourself and following those rules will necessarily bring about the change, changes required for celestial life. The Jewish leaders of Christ's time have proven that method can be very problematic. However, if those rules are integrated into a more comprehensive set of measurements that include our change of nature and our relationship with Christ, then we are likely to succeed. Those outward carnal measurements just can't be the only measurement tool. The most difficult thing about this perfectionism is that we are, in a sense, doing two things wrong that really need to change in our minds. Now, I'm going to equate these two issues to having to lower your high blood pressure and then measuring that pressure over time as an indicator that your methods are working. Now, normally you measure blood pressure when the body is at rest and your arm is relaxed, and you do this every time. Consistency is important to be able to compare measurements. You can't take the measurement right after you just ran back and forth in the mailbox and then hold your arm above your head and use that measurement against the measurement where your body is at rest, and so is your arm. And consider those two accurate measurements. Why? Because a measurement requires consistency in its methodology. It needs to be taken when the body is at rest so it can be compared with the other measurements and so that you can know if the blood pressure is going down. If you change your methods each time, there's no way to compare because methods, the methods themselves might be affecting the measurement. So the first thing we do wrong in a toxic perfectionism is measure with all types of different subjective emotions and, different and at different times of our mental illness roller coaster. And there is no way to even compare these measurements of how we are, think we are doing because our methodology has no consistency. For instance, if I could somehow measure how I was doing spiritually during a mania episode and then did the exact same thing during a depressive episode, my measurements can't even be compared because my emotional, mental, and spiritual state has been altered by the illness. So without the ability to create consistent environments for measurements, there is no way to compare those measurements over time to see how we're doing. The second thing we do wrong is we take the measurement once and we see how we're doing and then we take it, let's just say two minutes later, and say, wow, my blood pressure has improved, so I must be doing well. And then we take it five minutes later and our blood pressure is higher and say, boy, we've fallen, into, fallen fast into bad habits. So the second thing we do wrong after measuring with serious inconsistencies is to use one measurement, one moment in time, and use that measurement to give an overall lifetime average of how we're doing. If you're going to measure it all, the measurements must be taken at consistent emotional states over a period of time to see the overall progression of the soul and the heart. I'm going to tell you that mental, with mental illness, it is difficult even to overcome the first problem with consistency, much less evaluate those points over time. So what do we need to do to change this addiction to perfection? The first thing is we must not evaluate ourselves as we do on whether we've checked off every rule, goal, and opportunity every day. We can't measure our blood pressure and then use that one measurement to evaluate our entire efforts to perfect it. We need to measure our value and location on the pathway to perfection in different terms. Measurements should be used over time as a method of seeing our direction, not our, not our moment in time overall perfection. If we are going in the right direction in our communication, regular communication with the Lord, the perfection will come. 
because the Lord has us on that path. This has been a very difficult this has been very difficult for me to change these methodologies in my mind. And I admit I still work on it from time to time. For me as an individual who wants to know regularly right where I stand on the pathway to perfection, I want to know how far I've come and how far I need to go. Now this illness that I had previously and my moderate depression off and on has created a consistent battle to evaluate my life in measurable ways that are outside of this internal emotional way. Or I guess you could say emotional fulfillment, peace or happiness. I still find myself measuring success as a Latter-day Saints by if I'm reading the standard works every year, prayer and night and morning, if I'm calling or visiting my ministering families, if I'm attending, attending church, uh, I'm asking questions such as if I'm reaching out to my family or not currently active, do I think about the Lord regularly, about the Lord? Are all of my actions based on making sure the Lord's in it? I think that you get the picture. All of these questions lead to an outward measurable result that may or may not indicate how well I'm doing overall in my perfection. It is important to read the scriptures every day. Is it important to read the scriptures every day? Yes. Can I measure it? Certainly. But it cannot be the only measurement, and, it, and I cannot use only one type of measurement or set of measurements to determine where I stand on the path regularly. We must truly measure our lives as a whole, not in pieces or moments in time, and then apply those moments in time to the whole. Now, my final thought is the most important regarding our methods of evaluation. We cannot fully judge ourselves. It isn't possible to judge perfection or how we are doing on the path when we don't fully understand what it is to be complete or finished. The Lord is really the only judge that we should be using as far as our true overall holistic progression goes. We can certainly look back and see how we have improved, and that is important. But it is the Lord who determines the path and where we are on that path. And if we need to slow down or pick up our pace, we cannot and should not evaluate our lives without the Lord being involved in the evaluation. So how do you do this when you are mentally ill? The first thing is to understand that by constantly evaluating yourself without the Lord's guidance, you may be slowly drifting off the path without even knowing it. Ineffective, inconsistent, and incorrect evaluations will lead to altered paths that don't end where you want them to. Know that the Lord loves those whom he chastises, and that means he provides grace, added strength, ability, additional mercy, additional love to those whom he gives the trial. And mental illness is a trial. The Lord has a pathway for those who suffer, and it is a merciful pathway with significant opportunities to obtain perfection. So do your best, stay close to the Lord, and evaluate your life as a whole and through the eyes of the Savior. Now, I know that this will not always be possible, especially when we're, we have depression and other issues. But I can tell you that the Lord will find a way to communicate how you are doing. Finally, one sin, one mistake or even several of them, do not define you as an individual. The Lord knew exactly what wrong and right choices we might make and would make in this life, and he has provided ample room for us to learn and grow, and yes, have a mental illness and still be perfected. So in the end, remember that the Lord requires the fight, no matter how small, and he can make up the difference.